Hello and welcome to the Odelay Show with Chris Brazewell. It is August 27th, 2014. Today's is another editorial edition of the show, content of which is based on articles I wrote in March and May and ensuing events of relevance which occurred in recent weeks. Uh, the original articles are still intact on the World Wide Web at such places as the Brazewell Communications website, FusePowder.com, my blog at FleshyTurquoise.tumblr.com, and are as well featured in the forthcoming uh, nonfiction anthology journalistic Embedded Alive, first-person journalism in the United States of America, 2013-2014, by C.G. Brazewell, due out in November. <clears throat> also, if you're interested in advertising on the show or booking an interview or otherwise communicating with me about content carriage, hereby com call me or write me, and, and we can discuss. You can follow this show at facebook.com slash Odelay Show and hear all previous editions at uh, fusepowder.com slash WordPress, among other locations um, online. And by the way, yesterday, August 26th, 2014, was the primary election uh, in the great state of Arizona and the southwestern United States of America, high and sunny, bringing to bear, often bringing to bear on the incumbency or committee in enjoyment of state and federal elected officials and office, which from my vantage is the Palmer Precinct of Maricopa County, Arizona, State Legislative District 28, United States of America Congressional District 9. And during last year's fall election, I posted a photograph of my completed sample ballot um, that I worked through uh, before I actually casting the uh, very same inclinations uh, I took a photograph of it, posted on my blog at fleshyturquoise.tumblr.com, <clears throat> among other places on the web. But unfortunately, um, I forgot to photograph my early ballot this time around, uh, at least for the purposes of the primary election. Meanwhile, the general election uh, is just weeks away. Uh, so, those, so today's editorial is about essentially contract liability implications in the context of um, institutional homicide or capital punishment or murder by the state, the death penalty, or whatever the terminology preferred is uh, for you. And insofar as it's a timely argument, specifically with respect to the case of Joe Wood, who, according to local corporate media franchises, was killed by lethal injection about five weeks ago on July 23rd up at the Iman unit in Florence, Arizona, Arizona Department of Corrections uh, facility. Um... I endeavor this dialogue at the peril of offending uh, parties to include the family of the people whom Mr. Wood killed, uh, but in order to discuss the, the ethics and implications of natural law, such a logical examination of institutional killing is required. During Mr. Wood's execution, it reportedly took him two hours to die, and he struggled to breathe after certain preparatory drugs wore off during the course of his execution, according to the Associated Press Newswire Syndicate, agents of which are regularly given uh, eyewitness access to state executions, such as uh, uh, this one in the United States of America. Um, a family member of those killed by, I'd be curious to find out if Novosti, the, the Russian agency, has a similar institutional protocol, for example, um, in Europe or Northern Asia. A family member of those killed by Mr. Wood in 1989 was quoted in the article as saying that the noisy hours-long execution was beyond comparison to the original homicide scene at which Mr. Wood shot and killed two people. Um, 
another family member suggested that to kill Mr. Wood by giving him Drano would have been, uh, which is a sink cleaning clog removal solvent, uh, would have been okay in light of the crime for which Mr. Wood was convicted uh, led to his uh, 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 sentence of ex uh, uh, death penalty uh, and for which the victim's family's subsequent suffering over the years <coughs> resulted. Um, verily, mer maybe this is a good opportunity for me to forgive all of the people institutionally and individually who provided me with drugs and alcohol as a, as a, a pre-teenager and a teenager. Uh, which altered the course of my life in very permanent and drastic ways. You know, this is a question which comes up in the minds of people in recovery when making amends for one's past, and upon doing so, one realizes oneself to be one of the only people on the whole continent who's actually sober. But I have digressed. I say that just to illustrate um, how causality works. Um, anyway, an institutionalized death penalty illustrates why the legal concept of habeas corpus is so critically important uh, in capital cases. Because when dealing with an orchestrated death of human agency at the hands of a human, you know there are common law implications, and such common or civil law is inextricable from natural law, from which it, the common law derives its only legitimate authority. Then there, you know, there are denotations of the transcendental nature of human agency. It is a function of the, of the, of the you know, the intellect, agency. <clears throat> Anyone who's ever died or has had a proper out-of-body experience, to some lesser degree, you know, understands that when the spirit's liberated from the flesh, it has transcendental wherewithal, which is binding in a greater applied sense than would be from any secular or institutional non-secular vantage, all right? For the spirit's freed full stop, Okay. Uh, the problem with that is the spirit is at hand also while a body lives. And the bottom line is that you can't kill a soul, but the teleology of homicide requires that steps be implemented to kill or even ensnare the soul. Okay? Even, you know, though often at the subconscious or high mentality level because of the intellectual mode at which such events are burdened or lodged, which is why such situations are always such dark studies in derelict, you know, human psychology or abnormal psychology. Um... Um, you know, and I use the word teleology. Um, I advise you to look it up in an encyclopedia. According to, to Wikipedia, teleology is, quote, a thing, process, or action is teleological when it is for the sake of an end, e.e. a telos or final cause. In general, it may be said that there are two types of final causes, which may be called intrinsic finality and extrinsic finality. A thing or action has an extrinsic, extrinsic finality when it is for the sake of something external to itself. In a way, people exhibit extrinsic finality when they seek the happiness of a child. If the external thing had not existed, that action would not display finality. A thing or action uh, has an intrinsic finality when it is for none other than its own sake. For example, one might try to be happy simply for the sake of being happy and not for the sake of anything outside of that. So generally speaking, to kill the body, one must coerce the spirit, and that presents philosophical challenges. At a minimum, such action would involve true lies in, in the terminal sense, all right, like religion, in the universal sense, which casts a shadow of doubt on all ancillary institutions or agencies or entities with a hand in the, you know, you know overlapped in the context, and of which such, you know, uh, 
overarching control of events and information, you know, begs questions regarding the necessity of a single retributive resolution or any one, you know, terminal resolution. So I wasn't at the execution last month. I didn't witness it. I didn't witness the killings for which Mr. Wood was himself executed, but um, said to have been executed. But if, if the information regarding these events has, has made it to my ears, you know, still intact, um, you know, forensically, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in factual, as I get it, then yes, the general ethical issue of death and killing and of custody of the spirit and free the body or habeas corpus is relevant for the events surrounding Mr. Woods of, of July 23rd, 2014, as, as they are for the two deaths on August 7th, 1989, for which Mr. Wood was ultimately made to answer with his own life. Um, so that is, when some situation in its totality is obviously contrived or engineered regarding teleology, either biologically or philosophically or sociologically or morally or in whatever consideration in order to accommodate some certain end or event or method, then it begs comparisons of the greater relevance against the relevance to the context which has come to serve the situation at hand or a cottage industry, if you will. Anyway, capital punishment puts forth a precarious moral position for those involved, and so state capital punishment policy in turn can expose its members to moral, ethical, legal, civil, natural liability when an agent for the state kills in the name of the constituency. And it's a real issue. Um, you know, wake up, you know, find yourself dead and realize the natural power you have in egress to in making answerable to crimes people who otherwise aren't answerable. It's the same as catching someone in the act of a crime. So there are real implications for complicity. It's a situation where this is one situation where ignorance may be a redeem, you know, an excuse that's tenderable. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> uh, that's that's interesting um, way of looking at it. And a lot of times, ignorance is no excuse. Uh, but, you know, the, the vested and franchised constituency, you know, depends on, you know, what do you know forensically to, to determine one's, you know, complicity or or um, uh, partisanship with, um, you know, state, you know, implemented homicide. I wrote the following article on May 24, 2014. Arizona Attorney General seeks motion to execute death row inmate move occurs in the midst of other states recently imposing moratoriums on capital punishment. Uh, the state attorney's general office on April 22nd filed a motion to execute the capital sentence of Arizona death rate, death row inmate Joseph R. Wood III, age 55, according to the clerk of the Arizona Supreme Court. The state Supreme Court will review the motion on bank in a closed session on May 28th, the office said, uh, called and talked to a lady, a clerk on the phone. The case is State versus Wood, um, 180 Arizona, 53881, 1994. According to the Arizona Department of Corrections, Wood shot to death his ex-girlfriend, Debbie Dietz, age 29, and Jean Dietz, age 55, um, with a 38 caliber revolver on August 7th, 1989, in Dietz's family-owned body shop. Um, I couldn't find anywhere that came out and said it was in Tucson, but it went 
to a Pima County grand jury, which determined guilt on February 25th, 1991. And he was sentenced to death by Pima County Superior Court presiding judge, the Honorable G. Thomas Meehan, on July 2, 1991. During the trial, the prosecutor representing the state of Arizona was Thomas Zawada, and Wood's defense counsel was Lamar Kouser. Kouser. Immediately after the killings on August 7, 1989, Wood pointed the revolver at police and was then shot several times by the officers, according to the Department of Corrections. Wood's incarcerated at the Maximum Security Browning Unit, which contains Arizona's death row, at the Arizona State Prison Complex in Iman Unit in Florence, Arizona. And Wood is one of four Arizona death row prisoners who has exhausted his statutory appeals, I wrote. Uh, options, but the state has delayed executions at the time because it has, it, the, when I wrote this article, has been unable to d- obtain the the drug pentobarbital, which has been used for lethal injections since 2011, according to an article published in the Arizona Republic newspaper on April 22. Uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, Arizona Republic's the the you know the the colloquial newspaper of record in Phoenix. Uh, as according to Hoyle, the last one, last uh, uh, red letter institution standing in 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 Phoenix, proper pharmaceutical companies whose uh, products are used in the three drug cocktails for lethal injections are mostly European, and they have object- objected to the use of their drugs for executions and placed marketing controls on them for ethical reasons and to avoid violating the European Union's torture regulations. All right, so on May 22, Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam signed a bill into law allowing the state to use its electric chair if lethal injection drugs are not available, according to the Death Penalty Information Center. Is my source on that information. The last use of the electric chair in Tennessee was in 2007, when Daryl Holton chose electrocution over lethal injection. The report said sometimes electric chair executions cause the subject to bleed and catch on fire, according to the Death Penalty Information Center. <coughs> the Republic further reported um, uh, in. Uh, April that Arizona officials attempted to conceal the state's source of thiopental in 2010, which was used in the local three-drug lethal injection process, although it was no longer domestically manufactured. A subsequent investigation by the newspaper determined, uh, purported to have determined that the drug had been purchased from a London supplier. The United States Drug Enforcement Agency later confiscated imported thiopental from some states and ordered Arizona not to use its remaining supplies, so the state switched to Pentobarbital, the newspaper said. Assistant Arizona Attorney General Jeffrey Zick informed Wood's attorney that the state would carry out Wood's execution by lethal injection injection using a Valium-like drug called midazolam, midazolam with a morphine derivative called hydromorphone, the Republic report went on to say. That combination was used in Ohio in January, after which the condemned professor is said to have gasped, excuse me, the condemned prisoner is said to have gasped gasped for air and lingered for more than 20 minutes before dying. Arizona inmates executed with earlier drugs like theopental and pentobarbital usually die in about 10 minutes, and last month Arizona officials announced that they will use a stronger dose of the new two-drug cocktail, the newspaper said. Also, since the uh, crime in Wood's case occurred before November 23, 1992, Wood has had the option to uh, choose lethal gas rather than lethal injection, and it had uh, if he it, with no election made by the prisoner, the default method is lethal injection. In 2009, the Kentucky Supreme Court placed a moratorium on executions until the state adopted uh, was to adopt regulations for carrying out the penalty by lethal injection. 
In 2011, Oregon Governor John Kitzheimer, uh, Kitzheimer announced a moratorium on executions in the state, canceled a planned execution in order to review of Oregon's death penalty system. In 2012, the Arkansas Supreme Court ruled that the state's lethal injection law violates the state's constitution on grounds of technical separation of powers. Uh, in 2013, the Maryland House of Delegates voted to repeal the state's death penalty. It was the sixth state in six years to abolish capital punishment. In February, Washington State Governor Jan, or excuse me, Jay Inslee announced a capital punishment moratorium. Now all death penalty cases that come to Inslee will result in his issuing a reprieve, not a pardon or commutation. And in May, the director of Oklahoma's Department of Corrections, Robert Patton, recommended an indefinite hold on executions in the state after the botched execution of uh, Clayton Lockett. Lockett had to be tasered to restrain him prior to the execution, and the lethal injection missed a vein in his groin, which resulted in the man regaining consciousness and trying to get up and speak before dying of a heart attack 43 minutes later after the attempted execution had been called off. Scrubbed. In the recently concluded second session of the Arizona 51st Legislature, House Bill 2680, which would have established the Capital Punishment Study Group to assess whether capital punishment in Arizona is administered in a rational, fair, and accurate manner, never cleared the uh, House Rules Committee. HB 2680 was put forth by Representative Ethan Orr. Uh, Senate Bill 1067, which proposed to repeal the death penalty by statutory amendment and effectively would have replaced capital punishment with imprisonment for natural life without parole, never cleared the Senate Judicial Public Safety and Rules Committee. Um, the bill was put forth by Senators Ed Abliser, David Bradley, Steve Gallardo, Katie Hobbs, Robert Meza, and Representative Juan Mendez. House Bill 2313, which proposed to add smuggling, human smuggling, and a probability of violent recidivism to the list of aggravating factors available for consideration for death penalty prosecutors in the state of Arizona was vetoed by Arizona Governor Janice K. Brewer on April 24th. House Bill 2313 was put forth by Representative Justin Pierce. Uh, Senate Concurrent Resolution 1002, which had the same sponsors as SB 1067, sought to amend Articles 2 and uh, 22, of the Arizona Constitution, adding the language, no person shall be sentenced to death in this state. It never cleared the Senate Judicial and Rules Committee. Uh, that's all the copy from the uh, article in May. The next bit of copy is extracted from our parts of an article which preceded the foregoing. I wrote it during the spring, and it was published at Braswell Communications on March 1. Homicide, quid, excuse me, homicide quid pro quo, Arizona. During the um, 51st Arizona legislature, there have been proposed several bills related to capital punishment, but only one of them, which involves tacit reinforcement of existing capital punishment policy, has made it through committee review. In 1972, the United States Supreme Court ruled in Fairman versus Georgia that the death penalty was tantamount to cruel and unusual punishment. Therefore, it is in violation of the United States Constitution. However, four years after the Fairman ruling, the court made a more nuanced ruling in Gregg versus Georgia, holding that capital punishment was not cruel and unusual under all circumstances. Um, habeas corpus. For in instances where the government breaches its purview of control over individuals, uh, the issue arguably becomes an affair of state and no longer is strictly a problem of internal executive enforcement and its bureaucratic administration. And the habeas corpus protocol originated among the English legal anthology and today has analogs in many nations. In consideration of a capital punishment begs such ethical questions related to state jurisdiction with respect to people's actual selves and arguably about people's souls as well. In the United States, 
A writ of habeas corpus has the power of a court order and can be brought to test this content, excuse me, context and validity of a prisoner's detention. The writ's purpose is to protect against unlawful detention, that is, any detention based on insufficient cause or evidence. And to be implied there is the, uh, I would, you know, think about it, read between the lines. Um, there, philosoph philosophically, there, there, there is a conflict in interpretation because of the for spiritual reasons. <clears throat> um, historically, there must be a sufficient number of prisoners who have served their entire natural life in prison because their wardens successfully showed sufficient cause and evidence for their or claimed for their detention at a habeas hearing. Unarguably, however, regardless of any disposition of guilt in the capital case, the concept of habeas corpus is still legally relevant when defining the limits and scope of the state's power over an individual. To wit, uh, to wit, the state may argue to keep the prisoner for his or her entire natural life, but whether or not the state has the moral right to dispatch the soul by inflicting death is an entirely different conversation. I mean, maybe, but what's the difference? So does the state have the right anyway? Does the state have the right to kill its citizens? I don't think so. This is a quote. I think it's barbaric. And this is quoting uh, Dan Peitzmeier, president of the Death Penalty Alternatives for Arizona organization. said, I don't think so. I think it's barbaric to think the state can kill its own citizens. The state is us, and we are fallible human beings, and we make mistakes. I perceive taking life to be fundamentally wrong. Evil people need to be separated. But we can protect society without taking lives. I talked with Dan. Um for about an hour he came in uh to what was my office at the time nice guy um the arizona attorney general's office is the agency responsible for prosecuting capital cases as well as all state felony cases typically uh, in seeking some administrative perspective when considering this topic one might expect all questions to be directed at the attorney general right um, in the interest of habeas cases in the context of the greater global or international community or in a moral context and because it is constitutionally and because it is a fundamental truth that capital punishment could be wrong policy, right? And since the anything could be and since the issue still remains legally compelling outside of the bailiwick of Arizona prosecutors and any others who would similarly follow the letter of the law in prosecuting capital crimes locally, the question regarding the broader or final liability of capital punishment seems to be due. So... Um, in a system uh, governed, you know, by the, you know, in a public government who is ultimately liable for the death penalty and whose name is it occurring. In addition to the Arizona Attorney General's office, a question about the public's potential liability was put to both the Arizona Secretary of State and the United States Secretary of State. Neither directly answered the question, which was, what can a person or a group among the Arizona constituency do in order to extricate oneself, himself or herself, from potential exposure to natural or civil or criminal liability occurring as a result of the implementation of public contracts, such as the public currency, something, you know, appropriations of the public currency in bad faith, public government agencies and public infrastructure in the process of, for example, the process of statutorily legal homicides in the state of Arizona. And the Arizona Secretary of State responded as follows in writing, thanks for your inquiry. But in Arizona, the Secretary of State serves chiefly as the Chief Elections Officer, says Matthew Roberts, the Arizona Secretary of State Office Communications Director. We also have a business services division where we process notaries and charitable organizations, so we don't have anything to do with this sort of thing. Well, okay. Um, so, you know, the, the, the word is, you know, that, uh, that particular agency is not bound to protect the constitu your constitutional rights in writing there. So the United States Secretary of State response to which said question was your query would be best answered by the United States Department of Justice 
at 202-214-2007. Additional contact information can be found at justice.gov slash OPA slash OPA underscore contact contacts.html. Thank you for contacting the United States Department of State. So that's an automated response. Um, so if you are held incommunicado or and without cause and or without being informed as to why in Arizona perhaps you might try seeking relief through the British consulate, meanwhile, a stated federal advice here was to contact United States prosecutors from the U.S. Secretary of State. Um, and that's silly, and honestly, you'd write your congressman is what you got to do. Um, in his response to the same question, uh, the chief of capital litigation for the Arizona Attorney General's office took a narrow perspective. Um, you know, uh, speaking for the institution, in essence, citing the letter of the law as the ultimate source of procedural wherewithal in his vocational purview. Right. His response, however, still left unanswered the question of who, in a you know, in a democracy or in a public government, that is, you know, a representative or or what, in a republic whatever your preferred word is for, for natural right law is ultimately answerable, answerable to the consequences of the existing capital punishment laws. The answer morally and legally would seem to be all citizens, okay, um, have a say and, and are exposed to liability. And his quote was, Mr. Zick, for this author who was very accessible, <clears throat> and and took my phone call and, and worked with me on a, on an interview. I actually missed the interview because I had in, in his office because I had something come up. I had to call in uh, and cancel. Um, but um, you know, he gave me his number and he, and he emailed me. He wrote back. He was accessible and and friendly. And I appreciate that. His quote was: "For this office, we are tasked with defending state sentences and convictions, whether it is a capital offense or not." Said Jeffrey Zick, chief counsel of the capital litigation section. You put aside any personal feelings because you're a lawyer, and if you practice in Arizona, you defend the Arizona Constitution and the U.S. Constitution. Interesting. The Arizona case law. A good example uh, in Arizona of progressive-like yet sufficient sentencing as an alternative to capital punishment was arguably made in the case of Jared Loeffner. Okay? Loeffner pled guilty to 19 federal charges of murder and attempted murder after a shooting spree in 2011 in Tucson, which killed six people, including a chief United States District Court judge, a nine-year-old girl, and injured 13 others, including a member of the United States Congress. Uh, the federal charges and sentencing of Loeffner were accepted by the victims as sufficiently severe, and Pima County could have sentenced Loeffner under the effective capital punishment laws of Arizona, but they chose not to, uh, according to death penalty alternatives for Arizona's uh, Dan Peismeyer. Loeffner is currently serving uh, seven life sentences plus 140 years at the United States Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Springfield, Mo, uh, Missouri. At the time of this article, there were no scheduled executions in Arizona and 120 inmates on death row in Arizona, and that's all gone down by one, of which four have exhausted their appeals options at the time. I suppose that's now three. Um, before Wood, the mo and I, I did converse with uh, a habeas attorney, a federal habeas attorney, and have contact information for that uh, individual. Probably check up with them. Perhaps they might be good for an interview on the show. Before Wood, the most uh, recent execution in Arizona was Robert Jones on October 23, 2013, according to the Arizona Department of Corrections, um, the agency which operates the state prison system. 
The conviction and sentencing of Jones and his accomplice, Scott Nordstrom, stemmed from two, according to the DOC, uh, stemmed, from two, stemmed from two deadly armed robberies in 1996. On May 30, uh, 1996, the two men entered the Moon Smoke Shop in Tucson, where Jones immediately executed a customer with a gunshot to the back of the head. One employee escaped. Two others were shot at by Jones behind the counter. One suffered, suffered a non-lethal bullet wound, and the other was missed by the shot. Another employee was executed by Nordstrom with two shots to the head. Money was taken from the store and shared with the lookout David Nordstrom. Um, presumably of relation to Scott, uh, the accomplice, who went in the store. Fourteen days later, Jones and Nordstrom entered the Firefighters Union Hall in Tucson. Three customers were executed with gunshots to the head by Jones, and the bartender was shot dead by Nordstrom after being unable to open a safe. Oral and ethical prudence and legal culpability in all capital cases is not always as seemingly clear as it appears to have been in the Jones case, and philosophical uh, opposition to capital punishment as a general practice includes arguments regarding the availability of competent and fair legal representation for defendants, concerns about evident arbitrariness and lack of parity in the implementation of prosecution policy, uh, complexities about the mental fitness or competence of defendants to stand trial and understand the gravity of their crimes, and historical, in historical inaccurate determinations of guilt or innocence. Since the death penalty was reinstated in the United States in 1973, there have been 100, 143 people exonerated of capital convictions, either by being acquitted of all charges related to the crime that placed them on death row or by having all charges related to the crime that placed them on death row dismissed by the prosecutors or by having been granted a complete pardon based on evidence of innocence. In 2002, Ray Crone was released from Arizona's death row after DNA testing exonerated him from his 1992 murder conviction and death sentence. His conviction was based mainly on circumstantial and forensically tenuous bite mark evidence, uh, according to the story. The first film in the collection of documentaries called One for Ten um, tells the stories of innocent people on death row in the United States, features Crone's story. Crone recently, most recently spoke at the Arizona Summit Law School, room 173, you know, in, on North Central Avenue in Phoenix back on March 7th. Um, in 2013, the United States Supreme Court ruled in Trevino v. Thaler that death row inmates in Texas can initiate claims to, of ineffective legal counsel in a federal court if they did not have a meaningful chance to do so during state appeals. In the Texas case, the court applied precedent from its ruling in Martinez versus Ryan in 2012, which had provided such a right in an Arizona case where state law otherwise forbids raising such a claim in a defendant's direct appeal, according to the Death Penalty Information Center. Uh, another Arizona case, which has been cited as an example of arbitrariness in capital prosecution, stemmed from a 2002 Phoenix homicide. Defendants Patrick Barrup, Sean Gaines, Jessica Nelson, and Jeremy Johnson were accused in the ball bat beating and shooting of Nelson's cohabitant, Mark Mathis, whom Nelson suspected of stealing $600, it is said. All but one defendant secured plea bargains and avoided trial, including the one who instigated the crime and the one who beat Mathis, and the one who shot him. Of those three, two of them will probably be released within 15 years, according to the uh, Death Penalty Information Center. I've met Mr. Barrett's parents, by the way. Um, they're retired. His father is a former sheriff's deputy here. Uh, Maricopa County, I have sent uh, and received several letters, uh, communication with Pat Barrup uh, on death row up at, at Iman, although um, my attempts to arrange an, an in-person conversation or telephone call with him have been slow going so far. Um, Barrup was the only one of the co-defendants who received the death penalty, although he purportedly was not directly involved in killing the victim, right, according to the story. 
um, by the prosecutor's legal theory. It is said that he did not cause the physical death of Mathis. The extent of Barab's involvement, rather, was his cutting off of Mathis' finger to take a ring and his assistance in disposing of the body. But throughout our country, there is nothing uniform, this is Peitzmeier again said, uh, and throughout our state, there is nothing uniform either in the application of, capi- in the application of capital punishment. Peitzmeier said, we are executing the poorest and the least educated in the state. Here in Arizona, it is essentially only applied in Maricopa and Pima counties because they are the only ones who can afford to do it. It is not a deterrent. The cops on the street will tell you it is the smallest tool in the shed. Um, at the time when I was a, um, a crime reporter down in Cochise County, it was four years, um, I would say, by the way, there were no capital cases out of that um, um, uh, out of that high court, uh, Cochise County, um, there were some murders and there were some gnarly ones, um, but uh, prosecutors would only, you know, there was there was life without parole. I saw a few of those go down, but uh, just but it's a rural county. Yeah, rural counties just it's not like like um, Pitsmeyer said, Maricopa and Pima counties are the ones with the with the dense, most densely populated uh, uh, urban population. Uh, uh, the capricious dollar also seems to have a role in determining uh, for whom and in what jurisdictions prosecutors seek the death penalty, okay? I could, the New York Times, all right, um, newspaper of record uh, for many, on uh, the northeastern seaboard, uh, reported in 2013, that Mojave County Deputy Attorney Greg McPhillips, citing budget restraints, had documented that the northwestern Arizona county could only afford to try one death penalty case at a time. For this reason, McPhillips had reported that his office chose not to pursue a capital case against a man charged with first-degree murder, child abuse, and sex assault of his infant son, instead pursuing the death penalty for a man accused of killing a teen and injuring her mother. Uh, it is far cheaper in terms of dollars, right, to house someone for a lifetime than to execute them, Peitzmeyer said. And in light of budget trouble, which has led the state of Arizona to sell the capital and legislative buildings so that it now leases them back from their new owners, who wins? The cutting of costs through the repeal of Arizona's death penalty is a sound argument for more than one reason, Peitzmeyer said. Also, states without capital punishment have lower recidivism rates, which also presents a savings to any community, he, he added. Um, Peitzmeyer said, this year on uh, January 8th, the United States Supreme Court rejected indefinite delays in federal review of capital cases um, where inmates were not mentally competent to assist their attorneys, um, you know, apparently. The opinion um, it, written by Justice Clarence Thomas, right, uh, cited the rear-looking, record-based nature of most federal habeas proceedings that allow court, uh, uh, attorneys to identify legal errors and build arguments without client assistance. This opinion from the high court consolidated two cases, Arizona's Ryan versus Gonzalez and Ohio's Tibbles versus Carter. If a death row inmate is mentally incompetent at the time of execution, he may not be put to death according to a previous precedent set by the Supreme Court's ruling in Ford versus Wainwright, 1986. However, the January 8 opinion reads... Um, where there is no reasonable hope of competence, a stay is inappropriate and merely frustrates the state's attempts to defend its presumptively valid judgment. Ironically, the court's disposition seems not to address the apparent bureaucratic no-man's-land or blind alley between federal and state rules of the sort which the court sought to remove in its 2013 Trevino v. Thaler disposition. 
So who says capital punishment is wrong and why? Quite simply, uh, the answer seems to be a religious one and probably political too. For example, Pleitzmeyer's first response was a reference to the thou shalt not kill clause found in the Decalogue. And he said, execution is contrary to most of the world's religions. I find it abhorrent, Pleitzmeyer said. Killing people to show that killing people is wrong does not make any sense. It is cruel and unusual punishment and in violation of the Eighth Amendment of the United States Constitution. It is arbitrary and capricious. Uh, the death penalty is about punishment, not rehabilitation, Pismar said. And in the 38 years since it was reinstated, we have come to realize that we can't get it right. Um, all of that being said, um, you know, certainly worth considering. My concern civilly um, in terms of due process is, you know, the liability of say for example you or me or anybody whoever um, with respect to when it comes to state agency acting on behalf of me it's the same principle as if someone's doing something ridiculous with your with the United States dollar it might as well have it's a in the sense that it's a public contract and I'm vested in the currency it's the same as them doing it with a piece of paper that has my name written on it you know Chris Brazewell approves of this narcotics or prostitution transaction, okay? It's the same principle, very much so. It has to be, you know, in order, in order for these tools to be enforceable and to function as they're supposed to function. That's what agency means, right? Okay, you and I or whomever is the government are the agents for the government. There is no state as such that's apart from its people these days. So... Um, there's a problem there, big problem, right? Okay. It's a, it's a, it's, and it's got, you know, and we're, you know, people, you know, like, I don't know, we're all answerable to our actions and our, we're all answerable for our own negligence. Um, sometime, and there are varying degrees of awareness of that. And there are varying degrees of, um, you know, response in, in the, in, in the light of that. And I have, I think it's fair to say that you notice people who are more aware of their responsibility tend to function as such. <clears throat> because when, when becoming aware of that responsibility, it becomes obvious what's at stake. Uh, this edition of the, that is all. This edition of the Odelay Show, August 28, excuse me, August 27, 2014, is brought to you in part by, uh, by in-kind support from Clear the Bench Arizona, the campaign to legalize urban camping, the Will Travel for Vegan Food blog, and the Constitutional Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association. And last but not least, the, the Odelay Show is brought to you in part by in-kind support from the Pizza Noir series of fantasy noir crime fiction novels written by author Denver Day and available at www.denverday.com and through Penguin Random House affiliate Ex Libris, Ex Libris Publishing. Uh, local bookstores, Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Mr. Day will be at Half Price Books at 2101 East Camelback Road, Phoenix, Arizona, at 1 p.m. this Saturday, August 30. Um, signing and selling copies of Pizza Noir Book One. Come and get it. Uh, again, thank you for listeners. Uh, thank you, listeners, for streaming or downloading this uh, uh, edition of the Odelay Show, which you can find uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Odelay show or in the podcast department at iTunes under Odelay with CG Brazewell or through the, uh, really simple syndication syndicated feed at the Brazewell communications website, www.fusepowder.com or at 
fusepowder.com slash WordPress, uh, among others. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash brazewell underscore Chris. Also, again, uh, look for my next uh, nonfiction book uh, titled Embedded Alive, First-Person Journalism in the United States of America, 2013 and 2014, which is due out in November through the publishing department of Brazewell Communications. Uh, see you next time, people.